Hello, hello. This is Forward Abroad, your podcast for all things Borussia Mönchengladbach. And yes, we're back. It has been a while. We went through, as Alexis and I said in the pre-recording, two prime ministers uh, since our last recording. Although that doesn't mean much today uh, in UK politics, but no politics in the football show. Um, rather an introduction to Alexis, who's on my side, as always. Hi, Alexis. Uh, good evening to you. And I'd like to take the chance to greet all our listeners from Donegal. For a reason. Very good. Excellent. How have you been? Uh, well, I have a cold. Didn't and... prevent you coming on the show, so um, all good. And you sound excellent. So, Thank you. But if you translate that into German, it means ich bin verschnupft, which also means I'm not very happy. And there's a good reason for that. That might be that we're recording uh, rather shortly after being eliminated from the German Cup, or do we uh, do we talk uh, any other reason here? Uh, no, that's the reason. In fact, my nose is full, which is another German way of saying I'm absolutely fed up. I guess our, our bilingual speakers, uh, listeners will appreciate this. Um, of course, you know, it's been a while since we got together, um, almost uh, two months. Uh, it felt like uh, eternity. Um, of course, ever ever since uh, you know the, the, the Bundesliga had started, it's now pro progressed into or pretty much the concluding the first third of the season with yeah just finished unfortunately with a very dire ending uh, the, the the second round of the cup after after of course Gladbach advancing in the first round yeah and we had um, really all kinds of flavors in the in the season with uh, with Daniel Farke and with with this team um, so I think. It would be wise for us to 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 look at it from a sort of a bird's eye perspective a little bit and to uh, think about what we've learned from um, from these first um, matches of the season. From the you know now we are uh, looking at uh, match day eleven in the Bundesliga, so ten matches in the league and and, and two of course in the cup. What should uh, neglect the cup in today's episode a little bit um, for our own you know <laughs> uh, mood uh, swings or so to avoid any any of these. Um, Alexis, what what's your what's your feeling? Um, about the season so far um, I think uh, as I was saying we've seen yeah different categories of matches so far right yeah we make out about <clears throat> three different categories and uh, there's the matches that you forget quite quickly where the team is seems to be out for a draw out not to concede very many goals and to control the match as best they can. And you don't remember them very well. I would say that would be the match against Berlin, which we won 1-0. The match against Bayern München, which was a draw. Uh, the match against Mainz and Freiburg. <laughs> Those are the first four matches that uh, we're talking about since we last since you last heard from us. And then maybe the match against Wolfsburg as well, where Mönchengladbach scored two goals, two nice goals from Turam, but otherwise not very much happened. And then we have uh, two wonderful matches against Leipzig and Cologne with really great football and uh, a fantastic atmosphere in the stadium, of course, needless to say. Two of our very favorite teams that we'd love to win against. And um, then we have two absolutely horrible matches where everything went wrong from start to finish with injuries along the way. And then, of course, being the awful beating by uh, 
Werder Bremen, reminiscent of uh, some of the results of the previous seasons, you know, losing losing 6-0 to Dortmund, losing 6-0 to Freiburg, going down 3-0 uh, to, to, to Fortuna Düsseldorf in about 20 minutes. That You know, that was still a, still a hacking game, of course, in a while now. Um, but yeah, and of course the, the, the loss to, to, to Darmstadt. I, I guess a special mention to Jan Sommer, however, for the Bayern Munich game, because he, of course, broke a record for most saves in a Bundesliga match. So uh, it's quite an outstanding individual performance, which you know, could have been said about Turam as well at Wolfsburg. But uh, I guess you're absolutely right that you will approach there with, um, yeah, a bit um, passive and a bit sort of um, sitting a bit too deep, especially um, at Wolfsburg, you know, being um, being in the lead twice and, um, yeah, being a bit too much content about passing it in the defensive third, right? Passing, passing the ball, controlling the ball, but not in a very forward-thinking way. And um, I think the goals are somewhat, especially in Wolfsburg, are a result of that. However, well, you mentioned lack of ruthlessness there. They, they yeah. didn't, they didn't manage to finish off the match, and they let Wolfsburg come back in. Yeah, arguably, I think I think we've seen the two matches, uh, Cologne and certainly Leipzig, where um, this this ruthlessness was there, and the team really. Um, you, you could almost sense that throughout the match, the team was on the right sort of had sort of right spirit on the pitch and was very clinical in front of goal. I mean, especially you could even say against Cologne could have been more goals, but um, you know Leipzig was also full control from start to finish. Um, and yeah, there's there's examples in all of these matches, uh, Mainz and and Freiburg especially also where there were clicker chances on goal, but they weren't really taken. Um, and then it sort of um, yeah draws out towards the end <laughs> in a rather in a rather boring manner however don't you feel that there's an there's really an um a progress that is made if we if we maybe not consider the first 20 minutes against against uh, bremen going three nil down in all of these matches um the the, the draw or the, or the win is really up for grabs and the team the team has um a certain structure uh, currently of course struggling with with a lot of injuries but the structure is there and I would argue, and you would of course agree with me, that um, you know, winning, getting the team really right against Cologne, which was an issue in the previous season, and getting the team really right up and running against Leipzig is something that really sort of sets the stage for the season for a lot of club supporters. And so Daniel Farkadier has made them, you know, set the right tone for these matches and had, you know, made sure that maybe these freak results against Werder or something like this week against Darmstadt will be rather forgotten or you know people will forgive him <laughs> if that's the right word i think people will forgive a lot after the 5-2 against cologne and the 3-0 against leipzig but um speaking of tone he's always managed to hit the right tone he's always been uh very quiet and um he's never um changed his tone with which he speaks about the team or the players, whether they win or lose, he's always very quiet and talks about whatever has happened in a very sensible and unassuming way. There's no high energy barking about why the game was lost or who's at fault or who has been disappointing. And that didn't, he was the same after the loss against Bremen. He gave the, the same team a chance to make up for that than the following week against Cologne, and they did. And uh, after the match against Darmstadt, he was quite right to point out that Darmstadt 
are first in the second division. And that it wasn't a very good performance by Gladbach, but these things happen. It's the cup and you lose these matches sometimes. And he'll just keep on working quietly. And that's still something I'm very happy about after what we experienced in the last three years. You still have the feeling he knows what he's doing. Sometimes you doubt that the players know what they're doing, but at least the coach knows what to do. Yeah. And I think it's certainly refreshing that he sort of hits the right tone with, um, well, in front of a microphone, but just probably also with the squad. Um, We've we've seen reactions in in matches. We've seen reactions um, after a heavy defeat. As you said with Cologne, and it's of course a change compared to other managers in the Bundesliga who are quite, um, yeah, annoying to uh, to you know to watch week in week out. I think that's also something that you like as a Gladbach supporter, but to have somebody on the sideline who sets the team or sets the club apart from maybe this sort of uh, mix of uh, rather unpleasant, uh, you know, uh, people <laughs> uh, without. You know, naming well, there's lots of them about that are very popular in the media because yeah. they have these sound bites and they do dances on the sideline and they wear funny caps and things like that. But we, I don't really need that. No, I'm very happy with Daniel Farker as he is. I, I would, I would argue there's, there's, however, there's, uh, you know, reasonable criticism that has been voiced uh, throughout the last weeks. You know, there's the, there's the aspect that still. There seems to be a lot of, be it the previous coaches, be it the previous atmospheres of in the in the changing room, maybe or just the, the just sort of the approach, the rhythm of the team that even the Daniel Farker can't get rid of, and and that's I think a, a point probably Daniel Farker would see as well, and that, that is, you know, reasonable point to make. Uh, would you agree? Um, uh, you know, I'm thinking here specifically. You you could argue that the Darmstadt match. They, they, you know, Gladbach equalizes. Um, there's, there's a clear-cut chance for uh, Gumu. There's a clear-cut chance for uh, Turam. Player has a good shot on goal. Player then gets clearly fouled in the box. Should have been a penalty. That probably would have been 2-1 Gladbach with 40 minutes to go. Momentum is on Gladbach's side. It's a completely different match. However, at the same time, this game was sort of felt there was slipping away from Gladbach um, just with any minute, you know, so every minute that ticked on, especially in the second half after sort of an hour, where you just felt it, 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 it wasn't really the performance you would like to see. And exactly the performance you've seen against Leipzig and, and Köln, which of course are different matches, but, you know, do you think that's valid criticism or, or do you see a steady improvement of the team? Um, well, there are, you could argue that he should be doing more, more shouting, more getting sent off to uh, instill some energy into his side and to show them that he's there. No. But he, you know, some people like that and uh, think that's a good thing. But um, what he's doing is he's always playing the same team and he wants these these mechanisms to click into place. And I think he does all the work before the match. And he doesn't seem to be the type who, uh, who is going to change very much. He expects his team to perform on match day. And to be honest, he doesn't have many players left. There's n- yeah. nothing really he can change very much. We've got so many injuries. And on the bench, we don't have any game changers, to be quite honest. Mm. So in the um, first... We'll, in the first... we'll have to wait and see if... If you know, maybe we'll come to the conclusion that he's a bit too timid. 
maybe he would need more verve. But we'll, we'll wait and see what mm. happens. Well, he did. He did say just before the Wolfsburg match. He did say that this, uh, you know, rotating a, a squad um, is is a German concept. So he's not he's not used to that from from uh, the Championship from the English Premier League. So he, you know, he sort of it's 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 slightly overstated uh, the the impact of that. Um, and at the same time, I think also he he probably made did make a statement in the first matches of the season when he was changing the squad really late, um, and then the injuries sort of start. Start creeping in, so he was left without a, you know, much choice on who to play. Um, as you rightly pointed out, you know, looking at you know several injuries, probably get to this um, a little later. But I would do uh, really agree with you that more. I feel that more than Hütter and Rosa, which is in a certain second season, but also in Hütter's season, where I was always said, well, you know, he's a he, he's as high pressing as high energy football. But we've never seen this in the in the stats. We've never seen this manifest in really. Gladbach actually being a team that runs a lot and that presses a lot, it was always sort of in the second half of, of the of the sort of stats table here. And if you look now after yeah, arguably a good data set, you know, sort of ten matches, you see that um, in short and mid range passing, Gladbach is fourth and third in the league, seventeenth on long range passes. So there's these crosses we occasionally see from you know maybe Benzebaini, Friedrich likes to play them, Neuhaus certainly when he's on the pitch, um, but it's it's rather rare. Um, the the on the front sort of gegenpressing, so attacking the position in the third after the first few seconds when they recovered the ball, their last Gladbach is last in the league, so not doing that anymore, or we're not even trying trying this anymore. Um, and of course, everything else that is sort of possession related, passing related, Gladbach is sort of in the top four. So he's clearly defined the team, and I think. I would argue that it's worth more than maybe now having a freak result against Werder or having the team really, you know, grabbing a point there. Maybe having dropped a few points, it felt like, well, how do, how do, why did we not go for the win there on the long term for the season? Yeah, I agree. Um, that's he has established something there, but at the same time, these just statistics um, do not tell the whole truth. Because, for example, the third goal against Cologne was very high attacking pressing. That's how we scored after two minutes at the start of the second half. And I think he has made them more flexible. But he, um, what they don't do is they, they don't play the same system a whole match. They can do very high pressing for five or ten minutes when it's necessary. Uh, it's an option that can be used. Yeah. And they can use other options as well. What they basically do is this a lot of passing, but they can they're learning to use different uh, tactics when necessary. And I don't think we saw that the last few years either. That they're so flexible and they can do play a different style of football for ten minutes and then draw back again. Yeah, I think I would see this in a very in a you know similar positive way. What are your thoughts on? Um... Because you know, of course, he's now been heavily debated. Given that he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't awarded a penalty in the last two matches against Wolfsburg, um, which was a possible penalty decision, more more likely than not, I'd say, with my <laughs> slightly biased view. But certainly, of course, there's no argument uh, or no arguing around uh, the Darmstadt penalty. So Marcus Thuram, um, you know, having seven goals, um, being one of the top goal scorers in the league, it feels like he could have had even more. 
Uh, some people, you know, would say, "Well, well we need more, you know, strikers." He we're just relying on him, or or he's he's wasting too many opportunities. But I do think there's also a process we've seen here in 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 uh, Farker making it obvious to Marcus Thuram that he has everything a team needs, and he has everything um, a sort of marking player up front needs, right? Or do you do you see it a bit more critical? Well, I mean, Thuram's form speaks for itself, doesn't it? Obviously. It does. Park is doing the right thing. Trump feels confident and he knows what he's supposed to be doing and um, he's doing very well. I mean, I wish he wouldn't fall down so often. You know, he, he does he does dive too often. He, uh, he would get more penalties if he didn't dive so often. I think he has uh, a bad reputation and that's why he doesn't get the penalties. And those two were penalties, definitely. But the free kick that led up to the penalty situation was a dive before that. <laughs> Uh, so it's yeah. it's Turam's own fault for he sh he should be a little bit more uh, discerning in his diving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly. I mean, he has you know expected goal uh, value of uh, six point four in the league. That is by far the best in the league. And uh, you know, Gregoric from Freiburg and then Thomas Müller, Patrick Schick, Leroy Sané, Sadio Mane. They're all sort of in the four expected four four and a half goal range. So it's quite remarkable. And he hasn't even taken a penalty. Um, which you know some of the top goal scorers now have um, compared compared to him. Um, so yeah, it's um, of course he's um, he's our life insurance, as also you know as often said in German. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know Wolfsburg of course praised him, which maybe was sort of sort of backhanded compliment there to say you know Glapper was nothing, nothing else but to rum. Yeah, it sounded there. like that to me. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Anyone else who, um, who who really stood out for you in the first uh, third of the season now? Um, well, for a couple of weeks, I was reminded of the Fab Four that we had uh, almost 10 years ago. You, regular listeners will know that uh, <laughs> Rafael, Arango, Cruz and Hermann were sort of a Fab Four for a whole season where the uh, defense of the uh, opposing team just stood shaking in their shoes uh, when they saw them. And we had uh, Hoffman and Plea and Teram and Stindl a couple of times together on the pitch. And that is very, very impressive uh, quartet there. Yep. Uh, those four together attacking, that's very impressive. And, um, well, Kone has been very impressive about half the time. And then he has these matches where you can see that he's still very young. And he completely forgets what he's supposed to be doing tactically and defensively and where you have the feeling that um, he's overambitious and careless. And um, my favorite player for the last few seasons has been Ben Sabaini. But unfortunately, he's frustrating as hell half the time. Yeah. He has these incredible matches where he's like a beginner who doesn't really know what he's doing at all. And the other matches, he's amazing. He's an amazing defender and striker in one and he plays amazing football the way he dribbles the way he handles uh with his foot the ball the goals that he scores i mean i'm forever grateful that i was in the stadium when he scored the 3-0 against leipzig yeah, and of course maybe also special mention to uh, christoph kramer that was one of the, the tactical moves by farker when you put him on a sort of number 10 position uh, confusing Leipzig and uh, you know uh, a couple of other teams where it was just a very uh, interesting move to be to be done. 
And yeah, so he's he, been in fantastic form too, and so versatile. And I think it's a quality because you know he's 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 not the, the youngest anymore, and um, he, he, the, the, much like Stendhal, that you know there was it's always talked that he's kind of on his way out. He's never going to make it to starting eleven again. But I do think also quality of a coach is to see the use of such a player and you know get them into another sort of boost or you know where they can have a, a, a half a season or a season spell where they can really help the team and re, re, redefine themselves which Stindl has done over and over again but Farmer has done this as well this season and we've you know we've seen an entirely different sort of spirit on the pitch. I'm very pleased for him because uh, he's had a difficult time the last uh, two three years he didn't fit into what the coach that we had then expected of a player but now yeah. he's uh, Either Farke has been waiting for a player like that, or he's seen what Kramer can do, and he's put him to fantastic use. So that's that's, that's really nice. Defensively, I would say uh, we 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 went high praise of uh, Koita Kuro, of course, for the first matches of the season. I think absolutely one of the Bundesliga's outstanding uh, center center backs. Then, yeah, he got a bit shakier maybe towards the sort of the last minutes or the last matches he played. He got sent off against. Mines obviously pulling down on Isivo there that led to the free kick that you know scored led to the winner scored against us from Mines, and then um, yeah he injured himself in, in uh, you know ligaments in the knee which means we won't see him before the before the break for the World Cup. And at first it seemed that it doesn't make too much of a difference because the team had found themselves defensively the back four. Parker always preferring a four-two-three-one uh, formation. So you know, Friedrich stepped in. A Kramer, we've seen Kramer on the center back position in Freiburg, doing an excellent job <laughs> against the leaders. You know, the top team of the league at that point. However, in recent matches, seems to crumble, and I think that this instability we've seen under Hütter and also under Rose is, is sort of back again. That that is that is something worrying for me to see this rather easy goal, simple goals being thrown away. Uh, you know, goals conceded. I, and that was the first step that I think Farke took to stabilize the team on that level. So is this something to worry going forward? Um, yes, it is. Um, if we play Friedrich and Alvedi, we have two players who are very worthy, but they lack um, leadership and charisma and uh, the will to organize what's going on in defense. And... Um, there's, sometimes they're sleepyheads as well, you have to say. Uh, so either Itakura or Kramer should come back as quickly as possible. Uh, we saw Friedrich, you know, he's doing his best and everything, but uh, the last few matches he's just been a few steps away from the goal scorer. Mm. He's been standing in the wrong position and he just can't seem to rouse himself or the others to form a tight unit and to scare the opponents off. Mm. Um, sometimes they just stand around looking confused and that's very worrying. So we'll have to hope that Itakura comes back after the winter break, after the World Cup, and that Kramer can play the next match, maybe. It's of course, quite a funny... Uh footnote here that uh, we, we're talking about our centre-backs Itakura and Kramer who were definitely uh, two, two players for the holding midfielder position right if you go going into the season you would not have expected them to be realistic contenders for a centre-back pair but yeah interesting <laughs> well maybe Tony Janschke can come back as well um, it's a mystery to me why he doesn't get why he isn't playing more often 
I can't yeah. imagine that he's he's not he's lost it completely. That's a bit of a shame. And he's certainly always been good to change the rhythm of the squad. If there's defensive worries, if he's just rolling for one or two matches, um, he's because he never has. He never has sort of the, you know, the approach that he he must play. Um, so for years he's been quite contempt with uh, stepping in when he's needed. So you know, it's, I think it's always a good call if he's match fit. Yeah. And of course, we relied in many in many of these games. We also relied on a once again outstanding Jan, Jan Sommer, who is uh, again. Um, Top of the league. I mean, he's 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 you know sh shot stopping is uh, at about eighty percent. Probably uh you know oh, he held all records in the league after that Munich game. Uh, certainly getting a lot of conceding a lot of goals against uh, Bremen now. Cologne and Wolfsburg has has uh, pushed him a little bit down in that ranking. However, he's now also out injured. You know, so if, uh, from the Darmstadt match, same as Jonas Hoffmann. So. Um, you know, someone being the key passer in the league, you know, ahead of many players with 28 key, key passes, just drawing from stats in here to show that with something we already know, that they're absolute key players of the last years and certainly already key players of the season. So we now have Sommer out, Neuhaus out, Itakura, Hannes Wolf. <laughs> um, not one of our key players. Less so, but, you know, I think, I think again, much like I made the example with, um, with Stindl and, 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 and Kramer and Finding a role for them, I think someone like like Wolf could really do with coaching under Farke and maybe getting it, getting his his sort of energy in the right channels. Um, well, he did. I mean, he uh, had he did show a good fifteen minutes uh, against Bayern Munich when he was substituted on. Yeah, that was much better than anything I'd ever seen by him. So maybe Daniel Farke can even make good use of him as soon as he's recovered from his injury. Yeah, which is it is it is possible. I'm not ruling that out. Maybe even Patrick Hammond one day will <laughs> get mm. back to doing something useful. Yeah, but so until further notice, we have him out. Uh, Hoffman is not out. Um, both Sam and Hoffman have said they're not. It's, the, the the World Cup is not in peril for the, for them. They they will be back for that, which is um, I think less of a concern maybe for Gladbach players uh, for Gladbach supporters, but a hint, of course, that the injury is not sustained in a way that it, it, it would keep them out until 2023. Um, and of course, Christoph Kammer being out. So that is almost like a starting 11, half of a starting 11 here uh, we're missing on in a squad that is already quite stretched. Um, I think that is currently probably the m biggest worry. We talk about matches that can be forgiven. The, the cup game is, is, is painful at the moment. Well, the data game is a bit forgotten now, but that is a worry that will carry, carry or continue to, to follow us in, into November, right? We have another one, two, three, four, five matches to go, and uh, we have to keep our fingers crossed that there aren't more injuries and that we win two or three of them. Because at the moment, it's not looking too good. Yeah, certainly because I think we have, um, and this was probably clear before the season, we do not have um, a bench or the inexperienced player on the bench. They're not quite ready to to sort of step up and 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 get a lot of minutes. Uh, certainly, there's room to play around with um, the wing backs. If you think about you know Luca Nets and also Joe Scully, maybe mo being moved for into a midfielder position. Uh, you have Stefan Leiner who hasn't played much. When he did play, he looked rather off at the moment. Also, some doesn't seem to be a Farker favorite. And of course, Ravi Benzabini. So you can probably play around with these positions for for midfielder position. Um, Nungumi ha Nungumi has made some some 
impact in the Darmstadt game still looks very much sort of disconnected from the rest of the squad. Is that fair to say? Well, um, he also looked a bit um, timid. He had this great chance to score, but you could yeah. see by by his whole posture and the expression on his face that he wouldn't score because he was a bit afraid. And um, he's great at dribbling down the wing, and he's in very very fast. But uh, all his crosses into the box were found no one because he wasn't looking or he didn't have an idea what you do in that kind of a situation. So he still needs to learn a lot. I was a bit surprised that uh, he started against Darmstadt. Um, mm. That was sort of rotation, actually, which we said that Daniel Farke doesn't do. And yeah. Nguma has been a bit disappointing so far. And then against Darmstadt, he proved that he's still a bit young. I don't know. Um, I don't know how often he's going to get another chance. I think mm. uh, he needs a lot more work maybe they will have to loan him out or something um yeah, and can't, I, I mean, don't really see him with a heavy price tag so you know it's not exactly yeah just a fit. they have to play him of course because they have invested a lot of money but um it's something completely different from Kone. if you compare him to Kone, um Kone has this natural authority he knows what he's doing even though he has his time off occasionally but um, he was he's very impressive. He can handle Bayern Munich and the best players in the world. And Ngumu still seems a bit young, immature. A bit raw, a bit raw yeah. And, uh, of course, we have also um, uh, Borges Sanchez, so Evandro Borges Sanchez from Luxembourg, who, you know, has also now been, been, been subbed on. Um, certainly also somebody who could, who could, you know, 18 years of age, and he could, and while, you know, he wouldn't be someone for the starting uh, squad, but Certainly, someone you could throw in, and he he's proven to have a lot of sort of dribbling, one to one, one on one abilities, and and decent speed. I remember against, um, I think it was also against Cologne, right? He came on and he had this really nice move on the wing where he went all the way, but then his cross was uh, slightly lost. You know, he's given not given much time, but these are certainly options for uh, for the last twenty thirty minutes of the match. Yeah, he's but, promising. Uh, I think if yeah. if he's when if he scores his first goal, that will give him a big boost. Yeah, and hopefully that will that will <laughs> happen quite soon on Saturday against Frankfurt, for example, where he scores a hat trick. Exactly, exactly. So now, I mean, you know, this we we're talking about all these players, and and we're now you know advancing into the second third of the season. Of course, there's going to be a break, but um, something that has come up in the past weeks already, or over and over again, and it was clear that it would never the discussion around that would never sort of cease. And it's also a listener question by um, at Mr. Banners, Ian. He um, was asking uh, if you know he, he could have our thoughts on the contract situation with Trump. Then the Baini and Summer, of course, all have their contract ending next summer. So, you know, what's the option here or what's, what will happen? Do we think they will be sold in January just right after the World Cup or, you know, renew, renew or even leave, leave uh, for free in the summer? What's your, what's your feeling? I mean, I, I guess you don't know for certain, but <laughs> what are your thoughts here? I have to admit, I don't know for certain. Although yeah, maybe I, I'm just saying that because I'm bound to secrecy. Exactly. Yeah, well, my feeling is uh, that, I mean, I think all Mönchengladbach fans were relieved, happy, uh, and surprised that uh, Hoffman... Uh, signed a new contract 
and that players signed a new contract and that they're staying longer. And, you know, this might make the others stay as well. But I have the feeling that Benzebaini and Turam would go if there was a great offer for them for a team which offers them more Champions League, more money. And Mönchengladbach are not really... uh, They don't have that as many financial problems as they did have a few months ago, but they would take the money if the offer were good enough. So it's sort of 50-50 is my feeling. And Jan Zoma, I don't think he will go. I think he's just uh, too old. I mean, he's not too old for a big club, but he's happy where he is. He's sort of uh, settled into life here. Yeah, I, I, I think I would share your optimism with Summer in this. There's, you know, of course, maybe there's also an element now when you, you might appreciate how the club treats him through injury. That has always been a bonus. I think a lot of players spoke very highly of the club, um, apart from uh, Avo Dominguez. <laughs> uh, you know, how, how injuries were sort of handled with the club falling through. A famous example, of course, Momodou Kure, who's been with the club now for seven years, uh, constantly injured, but, you know, kept, kept as part of the team. Um, and and Zoma, you know, while he won't be out as long as as Ducouré, he's, um, you know, it's it's a sort of first period that we'll miss, and and maybe that the World Cup is a bit in danger. So, um, yeah, curious to see whether maybe this is now the time for him to decide that he he likes to settle for a couple of more years in Gladbach. I think for Turam and Benzabini is also, as you say, an age-related thing where they they could certainly look at another three to four-year major contract with one of the big teams. Um, and despite their you know, times off on the pitch that also Turam occasionally has, maybe less so this season, certainly Benzabaini. The highlight reel is always very impressive for these both of these players when they are, you know, in focus of the big clubs. So um somehow I see Benzabaini as the most likely candidate because yeah. he has more to offer. Uh, I mean Turam is a very good striker, but there are better strikers than him, it must be said. And to get to go to a really big club um, and play an important role there, um, that's not as likely as Ben Sabaini. I can see him abroad, Italy, for example, playing for one of the big clubs there. But on the other hand, we have uh, the warning example of Zakaria. Maybe that will put them off a bit. Certainly getting playing time at Chelsea at the moment, yeah. He's not playing for Chelsea and he didn't play for Juventus Turin and his uh, World Cup uh, career is in danger. So I think speaking of the World Cup, it all depends on how the World Cup goes for Ben Spaini, for example. And Turam will probably not be playing a role in the World Cup. So there you go. The odds are on Ben Spaini leaving, but I hope he doesn't because, like I say, he's, he's, he's a maverick and... A lunatic, and um, most of the time, I love him to death. He's really a fantastic player to have on the team. I would certainly echo that. Um, yeah, we'll, um, we'll 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 see what happens. I mean, you know, um, first first up is of course now Bundesliga match against Frankfurt. <laughs> um, also, a, a team uh, apart from the whole saga around uh, you know Adi Hütter coming from Eintracht to to Gladbach, um, which was considered sort of a an upset and a sort of steal last season, and then it t- turned into Antwerp Frankfurt fans making fun of Gladbach because they've done much, uh, you know, won the European League uh, without without Hütter and with with Glasner. Um, it is a home match, and 
fuck a goddamn right in the last uh, two examples against Cologne and against Leipzig. A uh, bit of a mixed back that team. I, I feel um, they're just trashed by Leverkusen five one. Uh, advanced in the cup. Did a de- decent performance the week before at uh, Tottenham. Maybe sort of beat themselves a little bit there. Um, but yeah, but they lost lost to to Bochum three nil. You know, sort of in the last twenty minutes of the game, throwing it away. Um, however, they're quite looking quite comfortable at the moment in the lead ranking just ahead of us. What are your thoughts about that match against Frankfurt? Are you going to be in the stadium? Of, yes, I was going to say of course, but um, yeah, I'm going to be there, definitely, yes. Unfortunately, I missed the Cologne match because it was the holidays and I would have had to have travelled f- over four hours to get to the stadium and I didn't go. <sighs> Never mind. Anyway, I'll be there against Frankfurt and I kind of admire Frankfurt because uh, they have this fighting spirit and a lot of swag in the last few years and they are a bit like us. A regional team that are very important for their hometown, but on the other hand, they were really very unsporty last time I saw them. They were they managed to win against us when we were uh, in a very bad phase, but with ten men as well. But they were uh, forever bickering and cheating and lying on the ground, pretending to be injured, and I didn't like them very much on that evening. Although I didn't like very many people on that evening because it was a very difficult evening. It was the third home defeat in a row, I think. So, yeah. anyway, uh, like you said, Frankfurt, you never know what to expect. They can play Champions League style football and compete with Real Madrid or whoever or Barcelona. Or they can lose against Bochum, who were last in the Bundesliga. So I'm hoping for a Bochum kind of a performance this time. Yeah, maybe, you know, taking that toll that they're sort of having all these midweek fixtures, certainly more than us with, you know, with the European Knights, they, they um, yeah, made sure they deserve this season. Um, they're currently, well, we already have uh, Kone up for maybe, a, a, um, a, you know, sitting out a match on his fifth yellow if he's, if he's, if he's getting a yellow against, a uh, yellow card against, uh, Frankfurt, so that's going to be interesting. Talk about you know who's who's gonna who's gonna start on 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 Saturday, but yeah, certainly I guess um, you know starting eleven against Vanagumu is is probably secured. Um, they're in a position. Let's let's see. Toby Zippel, of course, being the goalkeeper now for the matches to follow. He yeah made a terrible error in the in the Darmstadt game, but I guess that happens if you try to play football out from the back. Not again, but he has been a, just a word on Toby Zippel. He has been a very solid um, sort of second goalkeeper for the last couple of years. So I'm quite actually confident that we will throw in a great performance. Whenever he's been allowed to 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 play, he's played very well. I mean that mistake against Darmstadt was, of course, a terrible mistake. But uh, otherwise, he's actually never been at fault for anything. We'll see. I think uh, you know Frankfurt usually we usually see Frankfurt with a sort of a front three is. Kind of like a three-four-three formation, so that is usually guaranteeing a lot of action on the pitch. Um, and certainly, Gladbach currently defensively is up for that. But uh, we, as you said, we also have um, yeah some some attack going forward. We'll see. Um, I'm, I'm a bit worried with without Hoffman, um, the sort of linking linkage up to the to to Raman play and Stindl won't be that good. Um, well, we'll see. It's certainly an interesting match. And with this, uh, we we conclude the first part and. Come back for the second part that is of course our legendary goals. 
and welcome back to the second part, which is of course Forward Abroad. Legendary Goals. And in today's Legendary Goals, we turn the wheels of time back to 2005-2006, which is incidentally, uh, you know, just uh, shortly after Borges Sanchez's birth, just a year after, just to say how, how far we go back uh, what players in the squad. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was the 2005-2006 was the, uh, uh, season and the match against Frankfurt, which Gladbach won 4-3. And it was uh, quite an exciting match. And the goal I picked today was Oli Neville. And usually that's a cue for Alexis to come, but he told me he can't quite remember it. So I'm not sure. I can't sure. remember it at all. I don't know where I was <laughs> or what I was doing or how can... It was a very exciting match. I just I read up on it and I don't know how I can forget a match like that. But there you go. You'll have to do the talking. Well, it, it's just fair to say that it was certainly the Hinrunde, the first part of the season under Horst Köppel, <laughs> of all of all coaches, was a very um very interesting and uh, probably one of the best spells the team had. I think you know there was sort of a golden run of several wins in in October. So in this this game, the last before the winter break, um, yeah, the Gladbach was sitting on seventh, which also were heights we haven't seen before for about ten years, um, and they were playing Frankfurt on ten. And yeah, I mean, Gladbach squad with, of course, you had Marcel Janssen, you had uh, Oliver Neville, who, yeah, went after his Leverkusen years, went to Gladbach and became one of the one of the key goal scorers for that team for for years to come. Um, well, we're talking, I mean, legends, you know, Jeff Strascher here in, as a centre-back and, uh, you know, Philipp Dams, Casey Keller in goal. So that's uh, Polanski, Erwin Polanski, Per Kluge, um, really a, a very interesting team. Um, of course, not uh, honorable mention for Christian Listis on the bench. Who would have, uh, you know, not remember what Christian Listis? Amazing. So Gladbach goes two 0 down in the, in the first half, and then in sort of the injury time of the first half, Marcel Janssen pulls one back. Gladbach gets a penalty. Oliver Neville uh, fails to to convert to make it two two. So Gladbach is two one down with thirteen minutes to go, and then Oliver Neville says. Sod it, I don't care, and then just scores the equalizer, and then only five minutes later he gets a free kick, and he's about thirty-five meters, so thirty yards out, and just blasts it onto goal, and uh, it goes right through the um, right through the wall, and right next to Okanikolov, who just stares at it, and it's just a it was just a straight shot, not not as impressive as Granik Saka in in Villarreal, but uh, you know it was it was a good sort of solid free kick which we haven't seen many uh, since Thomas Kastmeier in 95 and then Granit Saka 2015 in, in Villarreal so um, yeah, you know occasionally I like to pick a nice uh, a goal from distance or a nice free kick goal so that is Oli Neville in the 82nd minute making it 3-2 to Gladbach one of the first sort of mega eruptions of Borussia Park turning around this, this you know 2-0 trail to, to Frankfurt Václav Sverkos comes on and he makes it 4-2 and then the match finishes it Four three um, against Frankfurt. We counted like this. It's this does sound like a fantastic goal and a fantastic match, right? Um, you made me feel I was there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the purpose of our legendary goal session. So you know, I'm happy to be of uh, assistance here. But yeah, I think it's also nice to, to pick uh, Oliver Neville, um, who scored. Um, well, shall I not forget also goal of the season or Bundesliga goal of the year. In uh, what was uh, funny enough, friendly was match, preseason friendly match. friendly match, exactly. So that yeah. is something you could still find on uh, YouTube. So Oliver Neville scoring, I think it was against Fenerbahce Istanbul, right? So the 
Ja. Yeah. So Backheel, backheel, flip. So the ball comes through, and it's a bouncy ball. Keeper doesn't go for it, and he's sort of six, seven yards out, and then sort of does a Ibrahimovic-like heel kick and into the goal. But yeah, it was in a friendly. It wasn't exactly the Champions League final. But yeah, I remember lots of unspectacular goals by him. Um, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. not Oliver Neville. I mean, he's he's still with the club. Um, he's a coach for the under 19s I think it is. Yeah, and um, he's revered for having gone down to the second division and then coming back up again. Uh, he was a national team player. He scored a, an important goal in the quarterfinals for the German national team against um, Poland in the 2006 World Cup. And he came to Gladbach after coming from Leverkusen, was it? Yeah. 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 And he stayed with the club. Nobody, I mean, he earned, gained a lot of respect for sticking to the club, going down to the second division with them and still being a national team player when he was a second division player, I think. Yeah. So, yep. uh, a great man. As far <laughs> as Michi Gladbach fans are concerned. Well, you know, certainly a player who's, who's um, yeah, was, you know, not pretentious or didn't have any sort of star uh, appeal that was sort of been toxic to a squad, and I think it was instrumental to the to the years where Gladbach was sort of alternating between first uh, the Bundesliga and the, and, the, and the zweite Bundesliga, and uh, certainly for going up again and uh, yeah, just having some firepower up front. Can I just say that uh, when Darmstadt doesn't get uh, doesn't manage to get into the first division at the end of the season, I will drive there by car with lots of Mini Gladbach flags. And my scarf, and then just drive around town going, ha ha, serves you right. <laughs> okay, well, you heard it here first, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll follow up on that. It's a good suggestion. And uh, After that, I'm going to blow up the stadium <laughs> and raise the entire town to the ground. No, I think it's a Not that I'm spiteful and full of revenge and a bad loser, but I'm going to do it anyway. They deserve it. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's an adequate response to being eliminated from the Drum Cup. And yeah. uh, it's also a good, you know, end to, to today's episode. So, Alexis, thank you for your words of wisdom towards the end uh, about Oliver Neville and, of course, uh, Darmstadt. Right. And with that, as always, the plug for our social media. Of course, you can find us um, at forward underscore en. You can find me at binger05. Uh, any questions, you know, before the show, please fire away and uh, yeah again Alexis maybe when, once he's burnt Darmstadt to the ground he will find him also on Twitter we'll see stay tuned for this thank you Alex bye bye bye